What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms, and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hello and welcome to the Daily Red, your lunchtime catch-up on all things Liverpool FC. On a Wednesday, on which it looks like we can finally get back to talking about Real football, because most of the international nonsense is over. And we have a derby this weekend. And this is one of those derbies where they're awful. They are genuinely a dreadful, dreadful football team. And we should win very, very comfortably. But it's still a derby. And you just don't know what's going to happen. Now, we've seen over the years some bizarre outcomes in derbies. Games that we didn't deserve to win, but did. Games where they were dreadful, but managed to scrape a result because reasons David Coote for one. Um, And we've seen us absolutely batter them. Now, they've beaten us once um but it was you know during covid there was nobody there and we were losing to everybody so i don't put a whole lot of stock in that they've had a terrible start to the season an absolutely dreadful start to the season there's just no way to deny it. you look at who they've lost to they lost to wolves they lost to fulham they lost to luton at home Luton are dreadful, but they went to Goodison Park and they beat Everton. Now, this game will be at Anfield. Everton have won once away from home this year. That was away to Brentford. They've won once at home this year. That was at home to Bournemouth. In between those games, they did lose to Luton. So, yeah, that's the kind of up up and down nature you get with this Everton team. They're crap. They're crap. They play really well and get a win. They're crap again. And they play really well and get a win. So if they follow the pattern, they should be crap this weekend, but they will be up for it. Now, the thing is, 
most of their team is not new. Like Pickford's there a while, but Ashley Young is just in the door. Michael Enkel's been there a few years. Tarkovsky's there. This is his second year. Branthwaite, this is his first season as a starter, but he'd been there a couple of years having having joined, I think, from Carlisle. Onana, this is year two. Garner, this is year two. Decoure's there a few years. Like, there's nobody really other than Pickford and Seamus Coleman who's really ingrained in the fabric of Everton Football Club. And that's probably a good thing for them because who the fuck wants to be ingrained in that type of horror show? But the bad side for the team is that there's nobody there who's been through real wars with Liverpool over the years. They don't have that real siege mentality when it comes to playing Liverpool. Coleman would have it, but he's out. So it's going to fall on the likes of Pickford. Michael Keane in the dressing room has been there a bunch of years. Calvert-Loon has been there a long time, but I just don't imagine him as a rah-rah-rah type. I don't imagine Dominic Calvert-Loon as a big voice in the dressing room. So while, yeah, they'll, they'll get themselves up for it, there's not many of them that have great amounts of experience playing Liverpool at Anfield in a derby and trying to let the teammates know what that's going to be like, because this is a different type of game. We should win this game very comfortably based on how the league table looks, how the season has gone so far. We're fourth. They're fifth from bottom. They're three points clear of Luton and Burnley, four points clear of Bournemouth, and six points clear of Sheffield United. They're currently level on points with Brentford, who've had a really bad start to the season. They're very much a relegation contender. They very much are. They might like to think they're not, but they are. Because at some point, either Burnley or Bournemouth is going to figure this Premier League thing out and they're going to go on a run. And Everton don't look like a team who's got a run in them. If we look at their season to date, lost at home to Fulham. That was a Fulham team who'd lost their best player in the summer in Mitrovic. There was loads of doubts over whether Polinia was going to stay. There'd been... A lot of talk about the manager potentially going to Saudi Arabia. That wasn't an Everton, a Fulham team firing on all cylinders. And yet they went to Goodison and got the win. And Everton looked really, really poor on the day. They followed that up by going to Villa Park. Villa had just been spanked by Newcastle and Villa did some spanking of their own. Then they came home and they played a Wolves team that are actually better than expected. But it's a Wolves team that doesn't have many goals in it. And yet Everton were awful. They beat Doncaster in the cup. Round of applause for all involved. Then they went to Sheffield United and were very fortunate to come away with a 2-2 draw. They lost to Arsenal. Then they went and beat Brentford, which on balance of play, 
Brentford probably should have gotten at least a point, but Everton did play well. They beat Villa in the cup. They beat a Villa reserve team. Back-to-back wins. Things had turned around and then they lost at home to Luton. They lost at home to a Luton Town team who struggled to score goals, concede goals at an alarming rate, and prior to that um, had not won a game. Prior to that, Luton's only point was a home game against Wolves in which Wolves went down to 10 men. And Everton still couldn't get a result. But then they beat Bournemouth and they did play well against Bournemouth for about 40, for the first 45 minutes. They were really good in that game. They probably should have been four or five up. But Bournemouth just started the game really poorly and gifted the goals to Everton. The first one, you might as well just have thrown the ball into your own net for what Zarbani did. Now it gets really tough for Everton. They've got a really tough run coming. Away to us, away to West Ham, who've started the season well. Then home to Brighton. Now they did beat Brighton heavily last season away from home. But you'd imagine De Zerbe will have figured some things out. Then they go away to Palace. That'll be tough. That's a game Roy, with his 43 to 45 point algorithm, will have targeted to win. Then they're home to United. Then they go away to Forest, who'll be scrapping for every point and I think will fancy their chances of beating Everton. Then it's Newcastle home. Then it's Chelsea home. Don't fancy them to get much in either of those games. Maybe a point against Chelsea. Then they go to Burnley, who'll be scrapping for everything. Then they're away to Spurs. Then they're home to City on Boxing Day. And then their final game of this calendar year is away to Wolves, who again will be scrapping for everything. This is a really tough run for Everton. And it's not hard to look ahead to the turn of the year, to January 1st, and think Everton will be in the bottom three. It's not hard to picture that at all. This weekend, they'll have no Deli Ali, no Seamus Coleman, no Andre Gomes, and then we'll see what happens after the international break if there's any more injuries. As things stand, Curtis is suspended, Thiago's had a setback, Kelleher got stitches in his knee, uh, so he'll be out in a little while. Besetic does hope that he could be ready to play. Jota will be back. Gakpo, it depends how the knee's healing. And then there's Robbo. And we don't really know what the situation is with that shoulder yet. Uh, will it need surgery? If it needs surgery, he could be out for three months. It looks like Luke Chambers has picked up an injury in international duty as well. Now, that does leave us, obviously, with Costas. And then young Callum Scanlon, who's very highly rated. I haven't seen a whole bunch of him myself, but he is very highly regarded. And potentially he's going to play... It's certainly EFL game, you'd imagine, against Bournemouth. But maybe he plays the Europa League as well if, if Chambers is out for any period of time. So we've got a worse injury situation than them, but we've got a much better squad and a much better team than them. Uh, if you saw the Brazil-Uruguay game, Darwin looked tremendous. Um, goal, great goal, great assist. Really, really looking like a fella who's getting ready to put together a serious run. 
Um, so, yeah, we've got that to look forward to at the weekend. We'll obviously be talking more about it in the coming days. On thisisanfield.com, there is a lot of build-up for the derby. So uh, we have how Liverpool's team of Max won controversial first Merseyside derby. So that's a really nice historical deep dive. If you want to take uh, a look at that, that piece is written by Adam Beatty. So I encourage you to go and read that one. Uh, Adam's also written a piece on why the start of the season uh, has looks even better, or sorry, is even better than it looks. And then we have the eight figures to both play, play for and manage Liverpool FC. This was put together by Joanna Durkin. So well worth your while getting into that type of stuff. Nice. Oh, nostalgia is great. Look, we should always, always hold on to our history. We always should. Because it's important. It really is important to hold on to our history, especially with a club like ours. Uh, FA revealed Liverpool letters over Curtis Jones' red card. Inappropriate use of VAR. Let's check that one out. Connor Bradley injury latest as manager makes touch and go claim. Okay. Uh, Trent Alexander-Arnold joins Ryan Reynolds in F1 deal led by FSG investors. Let's have a quick gander at this. Trent is one of the high-profile backers to join an investment group into British-based Formula One team Alpine Racing. Alpine? Alpine? It's Alpine in my vernacular, but I think it is Alpine, isn't it, is the, the team name. Uh, they're still only 25, blah, blah, blah. Um, Anthony Joshua, Rory McElroy, Juan Mata... Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey, or Mr. Taylor Swift, as he's now known. And the group are led by Otro Capital and Redbird, who've obviously got um, a share of FSG. Ryan Reynolds involved. And and Rob McElhenney also involved. Um, Interesting. Interesting. Fair play. I guess we'll see Trent on the grid at some point. Uh, just, you know, hanging out, living his best life. And good for him. Manu Kone, not a topic for Liverpool, despite new agreement on transfer. Liverpool are not expected to return for summer midfield target Manu Kone. Uh, According to who? According to... No, Sky Germany are reporting that he could potentially be available in January. Uh, Florian Plettenberg, who's been wrong about most things related to Liverpool, um, he says that there's he's not a topic and there's been no talk. Well, that isn't true. You know? Let him have his way. Uh, what else do we have here? On Liverpool.com? Not a whole lot. They're sending us some hopes and dreams again. Link us to, or try and try and link stories that don't in any way reflect 
uh, Liverpool Football Club to Liverpool Football Club. Uh, there's a piece about Robbo. There's a bunch of pieces about Darwin. Uh, there's a bunch of pieces about Dominic. Dominic Sabozlai just showed his best position for Liverpool in Ale- in Andrea Pirlo experiment. Absolutely not. Um, there's a, a piece here that about Haaland for some reason. A piece about Bellingham. Liverpool scouts may have just seen perfect double transfer chance. And Diogo Jota knows why. We'll come back to that. There's a piece about Harvey Elliott. Um, a piece about Kefran Turam. Ibu, I think, is still keen on us to bring in his buddy. Jurgen Klopp may have already hinted at Mohamed Salah air as Liverpool wildcard just emerged. This picture of Harvey Elliott. Uh, if Harvey is the heir, we're, we're going to be in trouble. Um, he's si- si- simply not anywhere ready for that type of role uh, at this stage. But, you know, he's he's obviously very talented and needs to be developed. Liverpool could be in the market for two left-footed players in 2024 in attacker and defender while Diogo Jota played alongside two candidates for Portugal. Uh, so, Goncalo and Nascio was one. Now, again, if we really wanted him, I'd wonder why we didn't go and nab him in the summer. Um, oh, Pedro Neto's the other one. Um, Neto's better on the left than he is on the right. I, I don't really care what anyone says. If you watch his entire catalogue of, catalog of games, his best performances come on the left because he can go infield or outfield. I, I feel like playing him on the left, playing him on the right, rather, it just doesn't get the best of him. Because his best aspect for me, other than his, his dribbling, is his crossing ability. I think he's a phenomenally good crosser of the ball. I think he's much better on the left than the right. I think he's more comfortable on the left than the right. Like He gave Joe Gomez an absolute terrorizing... Now, he also did similar to Ake. He he roasted him as well. But what he did to Joe Gomez, it, that's illegal in a lot of places. Like that is Joe Gomez has a fam- has family. Like he, his parents would have watched that game, and you did that to him. It's a violation. So him on the left is far more interesting than him on the right. Him on the left would also suit our team a lot better. Delivering service for Darwin, especially if we were to bring in Anasio to replace Robertson because Inacio is not going to overlap. He's going to sit in more as a centre-back and be more of a passing option, which means that you need that width, that real width on the left from a left winger, a left-footed left winger. And that's what Neto would be perfect for. And I know we've got Diaz, but Diaz is right-footed. And maybe you shift, if, if Salah does go, maybe you shift Diaz to the right side. Or maybe Diaz leaves. I mean, there was talk of it during the summer. He was linked to Saudi Arabia. I wouldn't be surprised if they came back. That didn't just come up. Like, they didn't just go, oh, let's have a quick look at Luis Diaz. He's only got four years left in his contract. Let's have a look. That's clearly something that's been encouraged by somebody, potentially his agent. So it wouldn't surprise me if Diaz was one that maybe made a move to Saudi Arabia next summer. Um, not that I'm 
saying I'd like him to go. I'm just saying I think it could happen. Right. Before we get to AnfieldIndex.com, I got asked a question by Daniel Rhodes. If you could transport one of the famed midfield of Mascherano, Alonso and Gerrard into Liverpool's team, today's Liverpool team, which one would it be and why? So he sent me that yesterday and I ended up spending about, I won't say how long, but far too long thinking about this. So Gerrard is the best of the three. There's no denial of that. There's just no way to make any argument that Gerrard isn't the best of the three. And in a box midfield, Gerrard and Dominic as the the two attacking options who drop into the wide areas off the ball would be incredible because they've obviously got an immense amount of ability on the ball and then off the ball, they're, they're just machines. So I like the idea of Dominic playing on the right, Gerard on the left, so that when they... Because I don't... Gerard's the better, better crosser of the two, but I don't need his crossing if I've got Trent at right back. Gerard able to come in field is what I want because his passing would open things up more coming in field. I replicate much of his passing the other side with Trent. Dominic's a very good passer as well, but that's not what I need from him. So Gerard would be brilliant in the box midfield. The issue is we still don't have a six. Alonso played as a six at times in his career, but was a deep-lying playmaker who needed that defensive midfielder with him, that ball winner, whether it was Mascherano or Haman or Momo Sissoko or Sami Kadira or Javi Martinez. He needed that more dynamic ball winner in there with him. Now, admittedly, Didi Haman wasn't very dynamic, but Didi was so, so smart that he was always ahead of the game. So while Alonso could play that role and he'd be better in that number six position than... Alexis is, just because he's bigger and stronger, he's still not the right answer. The answer is Mascherano. Mascherano's not as good a footballer as either of the other two. But just because of what he did, winning the ball, protecting the defence, blocking passing lanes, tracking runners, that, that desire to win as well, that that energetic presence in midfield, that's what we need. Like, that's why Manuel Ugarte was the one we should have got in midfield. It should have been him, Dominic, and Alexis as the three. And then if Gravenberg was to come after that, that's fine. But they should have been the three the three priorities in midfield in the summer. Because then you can play it as the diamond, or as the, sorry, as the box, where Alexis and Dominic play the two advanced roles and Trent comes in next to Mascherano in this case. You can play it as a standard three with Dominic, Mask and Alexis or Thiago when fit or Curtis or Gravenberg. 
it would work as a diamond if you wanted to play Alexis deeper in the base role for his playmaking, for his ability in that first phase of build-up. You could play him there. You could put Mascherano in the old Gattuso role when he played in the diamond with Pirlo. You could have him and Curtis as sort of the, the engine room and the hub and the ball winners. And then Dominic is the 10 in that Kaka role. But that would limit Trent a little bit. But would also mean, because you put Mascherano on Trent's side, it would mean that Trent would have a lot of help from Mascherano. If you wanted to play a proper 4-4-2 that the four, midfield four is a box, then you could play Dominic and Alexis in the advanced two roles. You could play Mascherano and Thiago in the central midfield roles, Trent at right back, or you could put Trent in central midfield with Mascherano and play Gomez at right back. The answer is Mascherano. And I know people will say, oh, but, you know, the height. Do I care about his height? Did you see him play? The guy played centre-back in a Champions League winning team and bullied people in the air because he was an incredible athlete. Like, it's not necessarily about his height. His ability to win the ball in the air was above average for players two and three inches taller than him, let alone for his height. Like, look at Thiago's aerial win percentage. For his height, it's way above average. For a guy three inches taller, it's still above average. So I don't, I don't care that Mascherano was small. I care that he can win the ball back. I care that he can protect the defence, that he can give Virgil and Ibu that shield that they need in front. I care that he can help both fullbacks. I care that he frees Dominic and Alexis to play their natural games higher up the field and not be wasted playing as a number six. So Mascherano is the answer. Gerard's the best footballer, but Mascherano's the right answer. Uh, Anfieldindex.com, there's a piece ahead of the derby. There's a piece about the left-back issues. Uh, there is a piece about a recent report from Germany that Liverpool have interest in not just Leroy Sané of Bayern Munich, but also Jamal Musiala of Bayern Munich. Now, Musiala's contract is out in 2026. Contract talks for an extension have been shelved because there's some changes behind the scenes at Bayern. Um, Musiala would be incredible. He is an outrageously talented player. However, I, I don't believe this rumor. I believe this is his agent uh, planting a flag because he wants a new contract. Um, if we were to sign one player from Bayern, the player to sign is Alfonso Davies, who's out of contract in 2025. And for me, should be one of our top targets for 2024. And if we do want a Musiala type, just sign Florian Wirtz. He'll be easier to get. He'll probably be a little bit cheaper. And I think, I think he's a better player. Um, now, Musiala might be more talented. So long-term, Musiala might be just a notch above. But I think the path for... I think the path for Wirtz to become the best version of himself is clearer than it is for Musiala. Uh, there's a piece about Andy Robertson and the possibility slash probability of a, a, a shoulder operation. 
There is a bunch of new podcasts. Um, Dave Davis had a chat with David Lynch to discuss the season so far, so check that one out. There is a Transfer Pod Pro Plus jobby with Dave Davis joining Trev Downey for an extended chat. And there is an AI Scouted, which Guy had to step in for me because I was unavailable yesterday and Carl is unavailable for the rest of the week. So um, they previewed the Everton game. So it's a little bit early, but it was it was the only time that was really available for it to be done. So give that one a listen as well. Uh, we've got a few more coming this week. Obviously, there will be a rival recon. Uh, I think there'll be a press conference pod with Dave Davis. Uh, Trev might get one more up. There might be a Moby on the spot. I'd imagine there will be. There'll be an Anfield Index podcast, the original. And you never know. There might be something else. But that's it for today. I will see you all tomorrow. Take care of yourselves. Bye-bye. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.